All right, in Luke 15:31, Luke 15:31, Luke 15, really the last third of it is a story of the prodigal son. And uh, really, I think it's the story of the redeemed heir because it kills me in the kingdom of God when we refer to people who they used to be, right? It'd be like Michael Perkins, the dirty, rotten sinner, or Michael Perkins, the verbally abusive husband. That's, I'm not that guy anymore, so it really irks me we call him the prodigal son, but that's a totally, I'm not even talking about that today. Anyway, the story of the prodigal son, redeemed heir, he goes, he squanders his living, squanders his inheritance, and then he goes, and once he squanders it, he has this epiphany, has this moment of repentance, as what we sing about this morning when we sing uh, the overwhelming reckless love of God, that's what that's about, but a God that pursues and redeems and moves back and extends grace and mercy and says, I'm right here, and he just, you know, it's just a beautiful picture, beautiful, beautiful picture. And you get to this story, and, and, and the part we rarely talk about is the last part of it with the older brother. And the older brother, he actually gets mad that the lost brother comes back into the kingdom of God. And, and in this story, I actually believe the older brother represents the church. And, and it actually, could, you could say it represents several things. I think it represents a spirit of religion because you can't celebrate someone else's breakthrough, right? You get jealous that someone else got a blessing from God or this or that. And, and so let me read, the, read this verse. In verse 31, the father says to the son, the son gets really mad, the older brother. He's like, you know, I, I've served you for all these years. I've kept your commandments. I've did this, I've did this, I've did this. And yet, you've never even given me a young goat. That's a culture of peculiarity for those of you. So, so do not give, <laughs> McKenna turned 17 on the 6th. We're, we're not, I hope you don't give her a young goat for her birthday. But you'd have to take care of it. That's right. That being said, he says, you've never even given me a young goat. And you've given him, a, you killed a fattened calf for him. And the father responds with this amazing verse. And he says, son, you've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. You've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. See, I, I, we've been talking about this idea of inheritance. And, and, and when we are sons and daughters of God, it's what Brett really preached on last Sunday. But when you're sons and daughters of God, you have an inheritance, and, and, and we know this, and we say we have an inheritance, and, and it's a treasure stored up in heaven. Like, we, we get that, we know that, right? But what if you don't have to wait for it as well? Yes. Like, I know that when I die, I'm going to spend eternity worshiping Jesus. And, and it kills me because I, I read this book, and if you don't read this book, you probably should read this book. It's a good idea. But it's like, what's the best about Read this book. Read these books that are in this book. But we, we live with this mindset sometimes that, that I'm just going to survive earth, and when I get to heaven, God's going to bless me. What if you don't have to survive anything? What if we were actually meant to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus? That's what his word tells us. What if we are more than conquerors? What if we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb, the word of his testimony, and we don't love our life so much that we shrink back from death? That's Revelation chapter 3. What if we would live our life like that? What if we could experience Matthew 6.10 on earth as in heaven right now? What if that isn't just some rote prayer that we pray without thinking, but we can actually have an inheritance right here and right now? 
That's what we're talking about. Because I believe that if we would live as if we are in the process of receiving, it's so neat, I love the kingdom, I am receiving and I have received at the same time. So what if I live as if I am receiving and I have already received in my day-to-day life? I believe we'd take the city. I believe that we would, I believe we'd have a line out the door. Right? And, and we're starting to see glimpses of the glory of God. We're starting to see glimpses of revival. And I want us to be so filled with Him that what we have is attractive. And I, I'm telling you, like, I, and you've heard me say this, like, like we want to go win people for Christ. It's not going to be because we talk them into the kingdom of God. It's going to be the way we bear witness. And it's going to be living out our identity as a son and daughter of God. It's going to be living out that my inheritance is peace. I'm a son. I can be peace. I can be walking through hell, but I'm going to have peace. That's my inheritance. That's attractive to people. If they're like, I'm sorry. Some of us, I love this phrase. Some of us have more problems than a three-legged run-over dog, right? When, but, but when you have more problems than a three-legged run-over dog, your neighbors probably know that you have more problems than a three-legged run-over dog. And if they know you have more problems than a three-legged run-over dog, but you're filled with a peace that goes beyond all understanding, it's attractive to them. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Buddy, can, can you get me a, a water, please? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many are as the promises of God, in Him they are a yes. Therefore, through Him is our amen and the glory of God through us. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Logan. So, as many as the promises of God, they are a yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And this is review, but in the Bible, there's an estimated three to 7,000 promises in the entire word. So that's why it's a good idea to read it. It's, I, actually, this is a brand new Bible, so it's not marked, not anything. I feel lost this morning because uh, the other one knew where everything was. But it would be a good idea to just start highlighting and circling promises one color. And then you could do the whole magic like, I don't recommend doing this all the time. It's like, what do you want me to read today, God? Oh, okay, I'll read this promise, right? If you have it marked, you easily find it. But you could open it up and read the promises of God. You could read Jeremiah 29 11. says that he has promises to give you hope in the future, right? Or you could read the promises of God that says that, that, that even though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. That's a promise from God. And so you can read those promises. And if you understand the promises, you understand what your inheritance is and what you receive. And if you understand your inheritance, then I believe we're going to walk this thing out more effectively. Amen. Amen. Love this. And by the way, when he says all that is mine is yours, like that's one of those cheeky preacherly things. All literally does mean all. He's not holding anything back. He's not a father that says, I'm going to give you a little bit. He says, I'm going to give you everything I got. All right. So we've been talking about inheritance. What is inheritance? What what are some things that we inherit? Uh, One of the things I believe here that we've inherited and that I pray that really just becomes a core value of our church and future churches is that our inheritance is a life without restrictions. Now, I'm not talking about do's and do nots as far as sin. Like, here, here, here's, here's the short, I'm going to preach two sermons today. I'm going to stop the first one and preach the second one. Don't sin. There's the second sermon, okay? <laughs> Don't sin. Don't do dumb stuff. So, but first is, is that we can live a life without restrictions. 
What do I mean? Well, look here. Look at Matthew 19, 26. And Jesus, looking at them, said, With people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So with God, all things are possible. Now, if you look at Mark 9, 23, it says, All things are possible to him who believes. You put those side by side, it's pretty crazy. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible to him who believes. All things are possible for God. All things are possible for one who believes. Which would mean this. If I ask this question, if I ask this, and this is, and this is, and if this ruffles, I'm sorry. But this, is just, this is just the Bible, so I'm okay. So, so does God have restrictions? No, one of you. Gold star, Logan. He does not operate with any restrictions other than the restrictions he placed on himself. So he says, nothing is impossible with God. So he operates without restrictions. And then it says, nothing is impossible for the one that believes. Which means we can live a life with equal restrictions that the Lord operates with. Now that would sound like blasphemy if I wasn't pulling it from here. 1 John 4, 19 says, as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. The Passion Translation of that verse actually says, as he is right now seated in the heavenlies, so are we in this world. Just want us to start thinking a little bit bigger. <laughs> and I say that because what would it look like for a church or just a company of believers that get in their heads and their hearts that I can live a life without limitations. Now, some stuff, I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to, you know, I, I know when, I, sorry, my mind's going all over right now. I'm sorry. Just thinking about Jesus walking through a wall. I'm probably not going to be able to walk through a wall <laughs> to comfort doubting believers. But I sure can tell, I sure can heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons, and freely give away everything that I have received. Oh, man. <laughs> See, believing in restrictions is actually illegal if you're a Christian. <laughs> it's illegal. It is absolutely illegal. That's why, so, so, so this is like, I don't like to just openly correct people it's not what that's not my thing i'll tell you if you're sinning but i don't like to rebuke or anything but i will stop you in your tracks if you say we can't do that i can't do this well you're probably right you can't but because of christ in you i'm pretty certain that you can't i can't share my faith in public yes you can christ in you the hope of glory <laughs> i can't pray for sick people yes you can christ in you the hope of glory i can't I can't, I, you know, I, I go on and on and on. All right. So believing restrictions is actually illegal in the kingdom. Look at Matthew 21. This is, I said all that because I wanted to get to right here this morning. Matthew 21 says this. Now in the morning, he was returning to the city and he became hungry. That verse is so important. I've read this like a million times, Bob. I read this verse. Jesus became hungry. I read it a million times. It never hit me until about a week and a half ago. Why is that significant? He became hungry. Well, I want you to understand this. Everything that Jesus did, we understand he was fully God, but he was fully man. <laughs> he became hungry, and I'll break this down here and say, he became hungry to prove 
that everything that he did, because Jesus said that everything that I do, you will do, and actually greater things than these you will actually do. How is that even possible? Well, it's possible because he did this stuff as a man who emptied himself of heaven. And I'll explain that here in a second. But seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it, found everything on it except for leaves only. And he said to it, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered, truly, I say to you, when he says truly, it means you probably should listen. Truly, I say to you, (laughs) if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but you will even say to this mountain, be taken up and be cast into the sea. It will happen. (laughs) I love that. He says, you'll say this to the mountain, be cast into the sea. And then he says, it'll happen. What does it mean? It'll happen actually means it'll happen. (laughs) And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Here's the deal. If you're a follower of Christ and you become a Christian, and I'm looking across the room, and every one of you is a Christian, you no longer have the right to give the excuse that I'm only human. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I'm only human. No, you're not. You're so much more than that. You're so, so much more than that. You are a temple fit for a king, right? You are a tabernacle for the living God. He, 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 he has the holy of holies, but he's actually turned you into the holy of holies when he sanctifies you and fills you with his spirit. You've given up that right to say, I'm only human. That's, a, that's an excuse. I'm just telling you straight up, it's an excuse and it doesn't work. Now listen, why is it only an excuse? Well, I started to get ahead of myself. Verse 18, it says, now in the morning when he was returned, Turning the city, he became hungry. Hungry, it means to be in the state of hunger. <laughs> it means his belly was rumbling. Jesus' belly was rumbling. It actually means to desire something strongly. So it means that when he got into the city, he desired a Big Mac very strongly, right? Or whatever it is. Or Chick-fil-A. It doesn't do Chick-fil-A because it's Jesus-y, right? So <laughs> He was hungry because, again, he was fully man. Philippians 2.7 says, He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Now, again, he was fully God. Don't hear me saying Jesus wasn't God because Jesus was and is and always will be God. All right? So he was and is and always will be God. But it says that when he came to earth, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Listen to this. Emptied, when you look it up, it means causing to lose one's power. So he didn't, when the Lord created in Genesis chapter 1, he said, let there be light. And light was released from his mouth at 186,000 miles per second, right? That was the power of God. Jesus actually lost his power and gave that ability up. It means to uh, come to nothing. It means to divest one's position of prominence, which means that Jesus, he just said, I have this ability and this power because I'm God. I am all powerful. I am mighty. I am great. I don't need it. To me, like I, and, and like the power of God blows me away. This blows me away, I think, to even a greater degree. Because we believe that you can live a holy life. Why? Because Jesus led a holy life. 
because he wasn't a God that was impervious to sin. He was God, but he was a man that lived in right relationship with the Father as everything that he ever did. He was hungry because he was a man. And it's important because he's showing us what a man or a woman can do if they are full of faith and if they are full of the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus did. That's why Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus did nothing that he didn't first see the Father doing. And he didn't speak unless he first heard the Father say it. So, which is wild. So when Jesus turned water into wine... He did that as a man turning water into wine. <laughs> Sorry, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he did it as a man raising the dead. It's crazy. When, he, when the woman who pushed through the crowd with the issue of blood, when she stopped bleeding, she was healed because a man hosted the presence of God to such a degree that what he was carrying and hosting actually got on her and fixed what was wrong with her. So, so when you start to think like that, it makes believing in restrictions illegal. Why? Because I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Because I am, and I don't mean this with arrogance, I say this with all fear and trembling. We're actually the righteousness of God. We are in right standing with him. We become his righteousness. Jesus became sin that we may become the righteousness. When we walk this earth, we are in men and women walking in covenant relationship with God, meaning that he said everything that he did, we can do. And everything, and he said we would actually do greater things than that. And I'm thinking, how in the world is that even possible? Let's just start with this easy stuff of like loving people. By the way, that's a really big task sometimes because some people are just jerks. Let's be for real. I think it's a supernatural thing to love some people. Yes. Yeah. And he said, you'll do this in greater things. I just want you to understand like, like, and I'm not, I'm not downgrading. I don't think this downgrades the importance of Jesus whatsoever by saying that he's fully God and he's fully man. I don't think that downgrades him. At ever. If anything, it's like, wow, you chose to live without an advantage. But, but think of that. When he came to earth and emptied himself, the most simplistic definition is whatever advantages he had, he chose to live without any advantages. It'd be like playing basketball against LeBron James because he's the best Logan ever. But <laughs> it'd be like playing basketball with him and him saying, not only am I going to handcuff my hands behind my back, but you can tie my feet together and I'm going to play you. That'd be the equivalent. It's not really equivalency, but that's the equivalency of what Jesus did. Every ability he had, he tied it behind his back and he chose not to use it. He did it as a man filled with the spirit of God. It makes me want to run through a wall. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Like this stuff right here. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I mean, seriously. Like, like this is stuff that like it challenged me so much. Like I'm preaching this passionately, but this is stuff I'm like, God, I really need your help. Because I, I'm starting to understand it, but I really want to believe this. Because <laughs> I want to walk this out. So I want to I want to see someone in public and and, and not just have to feel bad for them, but I actually want to meet their need because I release a word that meets their need, right? Now, Jesus, he actually sees restrictions and still expects fruit, by the way. 
<laughs> Some of us are like, well, I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. Perfect. You're in the perfect position for God to use you. <laughs> right? He, verse 19, it says, seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and he found nothing on it except for leaves. And he said, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Now, I love this, by the way. It says he saw the fig tree. And again, saw or seeing actually means he saw it. Which would mean this, that when we see something that does not line up with the kingdom of God, or it does not line up with what I believe is what we are called to, Matthew 6.10, on earth as it is in heaven, we don't pretend that it does not exist. We don't pretend that it's not there. It's like driving around thinking everything is okay and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You understand? It's like, oh, it's okay. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Well, the world around you isn't, so you're probably not blessed enough. All right. So he saw the fig tree. He did not ignore the problem. He did not ignore the issue. And he looks at it and he does something. Now, by this time of year, it was the time of the Passover. If you read the context of the story. And so the fig trees near the Mount of Olives would have had leaves. And they would have only had green, unpleasant tasting fruit on them if they had any fruit at all. And so it'd be like me going out in December and walking out to a cornfield and being mad that there's no corn on the cob for me to pull off in the cornfield. You understand what I'm saying? It'd be like going in November and saying, I sure would like to pick a fresh apple tree. Well, they've probably long either been picked or fallen off and the animals have eaten it by then. Jesus sees something that is supposed to bear fruit at a different time of the year and he's ticked off that there's no fruit from it. <laughs> Why? I think it's because he saw the potential in it and expected the potential to be manifest. <laughs> Why? Here, here, okay. Why? I think Jesus, I can't prove this, I just really believe this really strongly. And if you argue, I'll probably argue back. But I believe Jesus expects fruit because there was such a high degree of the presence of the Lord on Jesus. And any time that high degree or that level of the presence of the Lord is around, something should happen. It'd be like if he... It's not hard to imagine if he literally walked in through those doors where it says 5045, you'd expect it just pure pandemonium to break loose, Right? You'd expect something to happen. I think Jesus was a man who emptied himself of heaven and was so aware of the presence of God that he lived with. And we say hosting the presence of the Lord, walked in covenant relationship with God. He was so aware of that that he expected something to happen everywhere he went. What would it look like? If we became so keenly aware of the presence of God in our day-to-day lives, not just when we're here singing some songs, or not one of the praise because that made me just want to just lay on the floor and cry all day, buddy. Not when those things happen, but when I'm at Walmart or I'm at Kroger's, I'm in the parking lot and I'm aware that the presence of the Lord is with me and I see something again and, and there's an impossibility that comes. Or maybe, let's, let's make it even more personal, an impossibility springs up in my life 
And rather than getting fearful and want to lay on the ground in the fetal position crying and sucking on our thumb, right? Maybe we would begin to say, no, this is not what God has planned. This is not his purposes. But because I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God. And because it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, the anticipation of glory, the expectation of something good that's going to spring forth. Maybe, just maybe because of that, I'm going to, I'm just going to believe the Lord's going to do something. I, I think this would change your city. <laughs> I, I, I actually think if we become aware of that simple truth right there, that in that high degree of presence, Jesus was actually insulted that nothing happened. I think that if we would just say, Jesus, I, I just want to begin to just host you well and become aware of you in my day-to-day life. And not so that we're not chasing signs and wonder. We're not doing that. We're chasing the presence of God. I'm just saying that those things, as Mark 16, it says those signs follow, meaning that it's just like it gives evidence to your life. It's, it's like when we say fruit follows you or, 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 or you know if someone's following the Lord or you know if someone's doing this, that, or the other because there's proof in the pudding, right? We understand that. Well, maybe the proof would be in the pudding if we get really aware that he's always with us, if we really got aware that he was with us, maybe then we could see a barren fig tree and say, it's not time for fruit to bloom, but because God sends increase, it actually will bloom. (laughs) And then he takes it even a step further. I love this. It's not enough, Jesus, to expect a fruit from a fruit tree when it's not supposed to bear fruit, but now you're going to tell us that we can actually tell a mountain to move into the sea. Crazy. He says to me, <laughs> it says, and Jesus answered in verse 21, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but you will even say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and it will happen. He says, if you have faith, if you have certainty, if you have belief, if you completely trust, my like, Jesus, help me to really be certain. Like I'm, I'm certain I'm certain, but it's, let me phrase it like this, like, there's, I've seen the Lord do things, and so if, if you came to me and said, I have a migraine, I'm going to pray for you, and I know God's going to heal you right then and there. I have, I, I've seen that happen too many times. I just know he's going to do that. But you get me in a room, and they say they have stage four cancer, I've got to work myself up to, to praying for that. Does that make sense? What if there's no difference between them for the Lord? And I don't mean that weird or creepily. I just mean that there's a life of restrictionless living available to us. And so it's like carpal tunnel. I have a lot of faith for carpal tunnel. I've seen that touched by a lot of people in the streets. It's like that. But again, you, you're in a wheelchair. I may be hesitant until you get up, right? I'm just, there's just certain things. And the Lord, he just views that as, boom. it's just, anyway. He says, if you're certain if you completely trust and then he says and do not doubt which (laughs) doubt is the opposite of faith it actually means to be uncertain doubt actually means to dispute what is true by the way which is really crazy so if you're doubting you're actually arguing with god what is actually true and by the way if you argue with god who's wrong So if you're certain and believe, you have complete trust. And if you refuse, you are uncertain. It means you begin to waver, you argue. I just think we can see the Lord move. And, and, and again, this is, 
this is something that the Lord's really helping me with because I still wrestle with a lot of this stuff. And I just want him to help me to be really, really certain. Because again, I know what he says, but I want it to migrate from here to right here to where I don't even think about it, right? It's, I mean, it's like he settled it on Calvary, right? Even it's like, boom, he's done. It's been settled. So if it's been settled, I don't even need to think about it. I just need to boom, proclaim it and believe it. He says, even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast the sea, it will happen. Here's an interesting thing. What's a mountain? Well, a mountain is a mountain, but I actually think a mountain is two things. I think it is a mountain, and a mountain is something that you can't see beyond. If you're facing a mountain, you're not going to see the other side. And he says, if you say to that, which say means to speak out, to declare, to tell. Like some of y'all don't have a problem telling your kids to do something, right? I just snapped my finger. We've been joking a lot recently. Like I snapped my finger at everyone's kids. It doesn't matter if we're at Walmart, you're a complete stranger. If they're at, I'm going to snap. It's just what I do. I tell them. <laughs> Sometimes it's only got me in trouble like two times. But anyway, don't you snap at my kid. I'm like, well... Have your kid put their clothes back on, you know? <laughs> Tell them not to scream. But anyway, <laughs> say means to speak, to declare, to tell. Mountain means mountain hill, something that you can't see past. And this is speaker declared that thing to cast, to be taken up, to be lifted up, to be cast, which is to throw, to drive out, or to do away with. But just get out of here. Sickness go. That's why we can pray like that, by the way. And to the sea. Sea is actually the sea, but sea could actually mean go to a place where you're no longer visible. So, so Jesus says, not only will you expect and receive fruit to come from a thing that fruit should not come from, but you're actually going to look at something that you can't see beyond. And you're going to tell it to go. And not only is it going to go, it's going to go away to the point that you don't even see it anymore. And you just see what you're supposed to be seeing. Which would look like this. Oh, man. It would look like this. It would mean praying. Wow, I, I just think it's really cool what the Lord's done in all the houses the last few weeks in this church. Just so Jeff and Mary Kay and, and you know, and, and you all's house is getting ready to close. You all got a contract on yours. Your family just sold and closed on theirs. It's like we had like four or five houses all at one time that we were needing the Lord to sell and close on, right? And so, so, so I would go alone. <laughs> I'd go alone and I'm like, I did to go like, God, these people are crazy enough to believe that they're called here to be part of what you're doing here. And it scares me to death. And they're putting a lot of trust in me, and they're putting a whole lot of trust in you. And I'm saying right now those houses need to sell. I'm saying right now discouragement needs to go. And we're still saying it with our church property, right? Because we believe God said it was, so we're going to keep speaking that out and believing that that's going to happen. But we start speaking that out, praying out, and it's like boom, 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 one by one. When you sign <laughs> and it closes, you don't have to think about it anymore. It's done, right? So it, I think that's transferred to a place you don't see it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Listen, this, I heard this in a sermon about two weeks ago, and it's really like, this was like almost wanted to pull my car over and just cry type of things. So if I asked you, and, this, and I'm going to ask you a trick question, so I won't be mean, but what's the tallest mountain on earth? We, yeah, most people would say Everest. It's not. It's actually the second tallest mountain on earth. It's the tallest mountain that's above sea level. But, okay, here, here, we're going to get some science here for just a second. Science and Christianity do mix. It's just Christianity always wins. All right. Everest is 29,035 feet tall. Okay, so a little over four miles tall from, from ground to top. 29,035 feet tall. Mauna Kea, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mauna Kea is in Hawaii. It's actually an inactive volcano that sticks up just a little bit above the ground. Okay, so you can see the top and the cone and all that. From the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, where it starts, it is 33,500 feet tall. It's actually 4,000 feet taller than Mount Everest. So the tallest mountain in the world is actually, you can't see it because it's in the ocean. It's under the sea. Now, now I, again, now I can't prove that a faith-filled believer said that active volcano is in our way and it actually needs to be cast in the sea. I can't prove that, but it sure is an interesting thought to go down that rabbit trail, isn't it? So I think the significance is, I, th I really do think it is a sign that the Lord's saying, it doesn't matter how big it is, how tall it is, how much of an obstacle it is, you actually look at it and say, go, and it goes. You say, move, and it says, it moves. And so what would it look like for a church to get so confident in the Lord that when we pray, it's like, we're just like, please send me your prayer requests, man, Right? I mean, it's like, I mean, seriously, it's like, oh, uh, you, give me something more to pray about because I'm batting five for five this week, right? Or give me something, oh, <laughs> sick, or, you're sick? Oh, man, I've, I've got faith for that. Boom, you're going to get touched by God. Oh, you need a new job? Oh, come over here. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray, and the Lord's going to give you a new job. Well, guess what, knucklehead? You're going to have to actually have to work now, though, because you got a job. But we prayed, and that happened, right? I've heard story after story this past week and read story after story of believers praying. I was listening to another thing of this group that ministers in Iraq, and they were talking about how they, ISIS was setting off bombs, and they didn't kill anyone. And they, they were like, it was this big miracle, and they couldn't attribute how it landed in a public zone and it didn't touch anyone and the church rose up and said it's probably because of us because we were praying God was going to keep our people safe I know this is a stretch but anyway all right I'm moving forward I just want to stretch our faith this morning man I just want us to believe big <laughs> and the whole key is prayer that's what the whole key, Jesus says in verse 22, the whole key to unlocking a life free of restriction is verse 22. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. It's like he doesn't say you might receive. He doesn't say it'll possibly receive. He says you will. Well, why didn't it happen immediately? I don't know. Don't receive guilt, shame, condemnation. Think you said the wrong magic words. That's just hogwash. Don't, don't do that. But I'm going to keep asking. It's going to be like that widow. 
Give me justice for my son, right? Give me justice for my son. Give me justice for my son. Give me justice in this situation. Again, I think justice is biblical justice. The true definition is on earth as it is in heaven, not take care of someone's needs and keep empowering them to live a lie. But anyway, so prayer's the key. It says, all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. All means total, everything, completely, everything you ask, everything you request. In prayer, you will receive. And receive actually means you'll grab a hold of. It means that you'll collect. It actually could mean that you'll experience. And I just want to challenge us to begin to experience some of these things. We've seen the Lord move. We've seen the Lord move the last 18 months. We've transitioned. We went through it. It's like that's all we've done is transition. We've launched and we had people from Crestwood coming, and it was essentially Crestwood people and a bunch of pastors came here. That's what it was. And we're starting to transition into a place that broken and hurting. They just all happen to be out this week on Fourth of July vacations. But well, we've transitioned from that. We've transitioned between two churches and the one. The Lord's starting to move us again and open up the property behind us into this place where it's the center where people get trained and equipped and out. I mean, it's just all these things the Lord's doing. And like I started writing it down this week. So writing down everything God had done. And I'm like, my goodness. I'm like, Lord, you are absolutely incredible. And then I got really convicted because I'm like, I was not having faith in this one little situation that's been going on. And the Lord's like, this, 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 this. Why wouldn't I do that? Why would I not do that? Sold four houses. Why wouldn't I sell a church property? Right? That's right. We've sent these ministers here from all over the country, literally. Why wouldn't I send a kids pastor? Right? Because we need one. Why wouldn't we send a youth person? Because we need one. Why wouldn't he do these things? So I just want to challenge us, start to believe this stuff. Like, boom, Lord, we believe it's what you want. Now, again, I, I, don't, have, I don't have faith. <laughs> I don't have faith to say, Lexus, and it's sitting there. You know, I don't, I don't, that's what I'm talking about. I hope you understand me. Like, that's, that's the hardest thing. Like, and I'll say this. Like, I think because this truth has been so perverted by just a few people, that we're scared to death to touch it. And so what I would say is do not let the abuses of a few knuckleheads ruin it for the rest of us. It's like, that's okay. You, you go ahead, and, and you, I'm not going to name anyone because I, like I don't believe in dishonoring people because that's sin. But you could think of a bunch of people that have said, I need a $10 million jet or this or that to abuse things. And they believe the Lord's going to send it. Well, that's fine. You go ahead and do that. But I'm going to believe that the Lord's going to meet our needs. And I believe the Lord's going to meet us, our needs, to such a degree that we begin to meet the needs around this community, right? And then I believe the Lord's going to move in such a way that you all, <laughs> it's like, I feel like that we're raising up something where you all is going to be the most dangerous people in the entire city. <laughs> what I mean? Well, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And anywhere you go, he's there. And anywhere he's at, because you're listening, you're there. And any person you come in contact with has the potential to have a life-changing encounter with God because you host the presence of the Lord. And they may be in an impossible situation, but you may go, let me tell you something. How about I pray for you right now? Oh, that's, that's okay. I don't need it. No, no, listen. I pray and he listens and he answers. I have confidence for that. Well, I don't believe in that. That's okay. I believe in it enough for you. That's right. That's right. What would it look like if we started living That's like that? Right. And then they're like, oh, I believe now too. You know what I'm saying? It just happened. So anyway, I think I'm done. I can go on and on about this, but I, I just want to pray. Logan, you want to strum today? I feel like you should strum because I want to pray loud. So what I want to pray is a prayer that we would call <laughs> Bye. What I want to pray is a prayer we, with the Bible actually Paul says in Romans 12 if I could impart one thing and be this. And so I want to pray something that we call prayer of impartation meaning that we begin to receive from the Lord. And it's not weird. It's not hocus pocus. It's actually just I want the Lord to impart greater faith and the type of faith that when we see something that should not bear fruit, we expect fruit to come from it, and that the type that actually tells mountains to move. And it'll be just a quick, probably, I don't, I say quick, I don't want to lie, so it'll be a prayer. So Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are raising faith in the room and in our church. And even this morning, Lord, I, I looked around and I had like four or five phone calls and texts right before church of, I can't make it today, I can't make it today, I can't make it today, I can't make it today. And if, I, if, if I'm truthful, Lord, I got discouraged because I thought, we have all this momentum and no one's going to be here today. <laughs> and then Logan had the audacity to pray out, where two or more are gathered, he's here. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. But you're here. So I would pray, God, that nothing shakes us, that nothing makes us waver, that nothing makes us doubt, which actually means nothing makes us argue with you, and that we would actually just begin to live as sons and daughters knowing that we have inherited a life without restrictions and without limitations. And we're not saying we're your equal. That's not what we're saying at all. We're actually just saying we're taking the ball that you've given us and we're going to run with it. We're taking the permission that you've given us and we're going to run with it. We're going to take the little area, this little which was 3,000 square feet in a shopping center and we're going to run with it and we're going to steward it as well as we can. And as a matter of fact, you've actually given us an extra almost 4,000 square feet. So we went from three to seven almost overnight. We're going to run with it, God. And we're going to believe. And even when the world says that's impossible, <laughs> we're going to look at it and we're going to laugh <laughs> and say, just wait and see. And it's not because we're confident in our ability. Lord, I, I, I don't have a dime of faith for, in me. I don't have an ounce of faith in Michael Perkins. But I sure have a lot in you. 
So increase that this morning, God. I would pray, God, that our people, that even when they saw people out in the streets or their friends or family members or they face an impossible situation and they started to wig out and get a little frightened by that situation, not knowing what to say, I pray they begin to open their mouth and before they realize it, they spoke goodness over that situation. They're like, well, I guess I said it. I guess I have to agree with it now. I pray that it becomes illegal for us to speak hopelessness. I pray it becomes illegal for us to doubt. <laughs> and I pray, God, we start to see mountain by mountain by mountain move. To the point that we don't see any evidence whatsoever. Even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of that volcano that's in Hawaii. Some of it's still seen. <laughs> what would it look like if it vanished? I don't know. So I pray that you impart that today, God. For no other reason that we're hungry to see your kingdom come in Louisville as it is in heaven, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And thank you, Lord, for what you are going to continue to do. And we bless you. It's in your name we pray. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus praise? Amen.